Hello and welcome to Women of the Middle East podcast. Women of the Middle East. This podcast relates the realities of Arab women and their rich and diverse experiences. It aims to present the multiplicity of their voices and wishes to break overdue cultural stereotypes about women of the Middle East. My name is Amal Malki. I'm a feminist, scholar, and educator. This is season three: Conversations with Young Feminists. This is Women of the Middle East podcast. Uh, very happy to have you on Women of the Middle East podcast. Uh, this is actually our second attempt to record this episode. But inshallah, yani, this time it works. <laughs> um, um, your experiences and the wealth of um, um, experiences that you bring to the women movement and in, in Egypt and in the Arab world is amazing. I'd like to uh, though focus on uh, cyber feminism. Uh, as you know, cyber feminism has been taking a lot of attention, uh, especially in in our era. Um, it is classified as one of the latest women movements across the world. Um, so women movements in different parts of the world uh, thrived uh, using um, social media and um, and the new media. Um, to avoid romanticizing cyber feminism and cyber activism, you have your own take on it and you have your own story. Well, on one hand, yes, it gave women who hadn't Yani, who didn't have the opportunity to contribute, um, um, act, you know, in, in a very actful, in a very active way uh, to previous movements, it gave them the opportunity to um, to trespass the public sphere, to be active, uh, to um, uh, gather, to organize themselves, and we saw this in um, the so-called Arab Spring. You have your own version and reality of that particular moment in history. Uh, can you tell us more about it? Um, as we were uh, speaking before, I do uh, actually see it as an opportunity. Of course it is, uh, but also an obstacle. I would say like in a different word, we would not have chosen that the movement um, if we can call it a movement uh, or the activism on feminism would be totally on uh, or behind screens now. Uh, I remember on the 8th of uh, March uh, of 2011 when um, women NGOs announced a march for uh, women in from Tahrir Square no, no, not many joined and not many were happy about it. Some were really angry about the disconnection. This, the, the year after, on the 2012, it was a huge march. Many were there, men and women from the square. People who would have never known about those NGOs sometimes, uh, probably. Because they have already touched the need to defend those rights. They have already been involved in initiatives that has to do with campaigning for those rights. Being online is a must now, given the uh, circumstances uh, in Egypt and in the Arab 
with uh, most of it. But it also has its um, its disadvantages because it's a pressure. It disconnects you as a person or as an entity from the constituency you're really actually uh, trying to uh, promote the rights of. And it's also an issue of are we um, are we being actually bullied online and pressured online as women and as feminists, uh, men, women, non-binary in general more? And is it not easier to hide us to to, to actually um, attack what we're saying easier? Because you can't, you can't be that vi visible. You don't have the 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 the, um, the on ground supporters who would be there to defend the idea you're you're working on. That does not mean that all women uh, feminists or NGOs work online only because we have actually. Um, different women groups, like, for example, uh, the NGO Azza Suleiman is heading, uh, who do go and support women in courts and, and, and different mediation processes. And that's an aspect that is not seen online enough, for example, sometimes, but women who need her can find her. and. Other NGOs uh, are accessible as well, but then it's not helping us create the movement we really need. We need the movement that can see each other, that can organize each other, that can be there in every workplace and um, group so we can defend and, and pressure and campaign for the rights to, to pass, which is not as easy when you're stuck online sometimes. This is Women of the Middle East podcast. And you know, but this is this was a reality now um, during COVID as well. For most of the women NGOs during COVID, of course, went online and used um, uh, WhatsApp to uh, to reach to their victim to the victims of abuse. Yani, uh, we we've tried and we've done uh, the the most we could utilizing social media. But I I hear you. Um, uh, lots of people actually wrote about how hybrid the approach was. Yani. Uh, cyber activism uh, as an online uh, platform is um, has proven to play against us. Yani, you've seen the Amnesty report in 2017 about um, abuse, online abuse on women, and you have your own story as well. You've got your own story about harassment in reality on the ground and harassment online. Tell us a bit about that and how do you mitigate? What do you do? Uh, to protect yourself and, and, and maybe it's a lesson for others to draw from. This is Women of the Middle East podcast. It's actually, what happened is I also uh, got hacked and ever since I, my, my, uh, my reach has decreased. I, I guess that was one of the main ideas behind hacking me. Those who have higher reach still get actually abused and harassed online more than I do. The amount of attack you can see 
women activists uh, receiving threats, uh, defaming, um, discussing their main and very specific personal lives, judging every move and every word they say as if they are running for presidency, um, acting as if they are the enemy because they call themselves feminists. The, the amount of pressure you get online and harassment actually, because you're saying something that our community, the community we're in and the society, the bigger society is not willing to listen to yet, is uh, horrible sometimes and uh, it motivates some to continue and it breaks some and brings them to a point of like disappearing online totally. Uh, I would wish not to reach that point, um, but it, it gets hectic and hectic every day. Uh, being hacked was a traumatizing experience, <laughs> but not being seen as much have given me the opportunity not to be harassed as much as well online. But this is the, this is what they want, right? Um, for us to be on a public platform is a huge threat uh, to them. Um, you've been also brutally attacked um, physically. Um, does this at all deter you from your cause? Did it at some point? Did you at some point think, why am I doing that when I'm getting minimum support? Although you're getting you know, emotional support, of course, from all feminists. But, um, did it ever deter you from your cause? I don't want to romanticize uh, the, uh, the abuse or torture or what I went through, but no, it did not. I got supported not just by the feminist uh, groups and activists I know, but also by most of the leftist and the liberal um, uh, activists uh, around around me. I know or not. But, um, and it, it is still something that I'm trying to heal from. But yet it motivates you more because it, God forbid, I don't go through this. It motivates more because you think of, now you have more proof why you should be doing what you're doing. Now you know more that this should not be something that anyone else should go through. And because, yeah, you, you you lose your mind in a minute sometimes you lose your mind also because civilians as civilians as you are are the ones attacking you and this drives you crazy those are the people you you were supposed to be fighting with against oppression not fighting against directly but then which is not something easy on my mind i'm i'm still processing it but then you know why you were there you you know exactly why what you were saying was hated. You know exactly why, why, what motivates you is what they need to, or want to, or aspire to kill in you. And you, and you just not want to allow that because the worse it gets, the more it proves that what we're doing needs to be really done. We're not doing as much now as when I was attacked. But 
we're not doing we're not being organized anymore we don't have the the ability to do that we're not allowed to do that but it's uh it's a matter of that mere surviving is resistance in itself so you keep going you're absolutely right uh Ola, you said something that uh, hit me very hard you said that uh, the very um people that you that are should be part of your cause that you march for and that you want to protect and you're calling for freedom and dignity for are the people who attacked you and i'll tell you come on i how i i perceive it um unfortunately um as feminists we've been vilified in our societies we've been othered they've already um succeeded in shed yeah and 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 shunning us and and you know having us as the others who are attacking the very being of their um existence um their culture their religion as if we're not a part of that fabric what can we do now this is a very serious problem because enough is enough and we shouldn't be stay yani we shouldn't stay quiet for such vilification we've seen it happen uh with other groups and they managed really to kill those groups um what can we tell our societies and our communities um and how can we break those stereotypes and and misconceptions about feminists everywhere what would you tell them this is women of the middle east podcast That's a million dollar question as they say <laughs> we didn't have the answer for but I wish I do but I don't. Uh I more would like to keep on going but also keep on balancing between I believe in explaining our causes, explaining why we're doing what we're doing, documenting uh the things we're doing, proving that through history we've taken the right stance. uh we we've taken um the more in more relevant and more representative to our values uh stance that we value our integrity it's a struggle but then by time those attacking you some of them will never be won ever their core benefit and interest is for you not to exist and some you will win because they will start seeing that uh if proven time after time after time that you really um genuine towards your causes uh and what you claim is what you do And then those there will always be people in between who will support those who are against you or support those who are supporting you and not really know where to stand and you'll always be um attempting to one day have something for them to do something beneficial for them to do as what I've been taught um as an activist and an organizer is that the more you have something in your campaign to give to the audience to the campaign's audience to give for them to do so the ownership also moves 
from you to them and then is being shared, the more the campaign will succeed. And we can't do that now. We're not easily reaching that now. But uh, I think there is no way humanity can survive this way and including our societies. And thus, more and more people will have to understand that this is the only path where equality is uh, is the, is a fact that we all have to deal with and fight for and then win and live through happily. This is Women of the Middle East podcast. If there is one uh, lesson to draw from um, this topic of cyber feminism and, and uh, the realities that, um, you know, one of which you represent basically and your story represent, I would say that um, cyber feminism have um, created uh, more divisions and more silos. So, um, you know, it's very easy for one of us to claim her space online it's harder for her to be connected to, as you said, to a physical entity. So I would suggest that we need to understand and we need to um, uh, understand, um, accept differences between, you know, between us and come together. So what we need is critical masses on the ground uh, in the form of rights, right groups, feminist groups, whatever groups they are, but coming together, having one voice and having the backbone, having someone, to, you know, the lawyer, uh, the diplomatic, uh, you know, uh, angle of us, the, the politician. Um, so my point is, if we are to join forces physically, uh, in reality, uh, even our representation online would be stronger. Do you agree with that? I agree, and then I see it a bit differently. As I was telling you one day when we were when we met in Spain, uh, I believe that we need to uh, support each other. We need to defend each other each other's right to exist and to freely speak and represent her or his uh, opinions. But we also need to compete on ideas, not compete against each other, but compete on ideas, compete on developing our ideas and bringing closer, more uh, people to where it's those ideas. For example, a liberal feminist would have a different point of view on, on some aspects than mine. A white feminist would not be someone I would not be extremely critical towards, most probably. But then there is a lot for me and us to learn from a feminist um, that is uh, Kenyan or South African and have already gained um, uh, some steps ahead. Uh, I believe the global South should learn from uh, each other in, in, in general. So, so maybe uh, another colleague of mine might not see it this way. And I believe we all should exist, exist. We all should just be able to have an atmosphere where we can express, uh, define, defend our ideas and then grow from there while also supporting each other because there is no other way but at least without even being friends or knowing each other or anything 
we need to stand by our values that it's not allowed to include personal um, prejudice uh, in any uh, uh, conflict. It's not allowed to include personal secrets and uh, personal lives of people, people's uh, very uh, discreet personal life into any um, discussion of ideas. It's not allowed to villainize anyone because she is saying something that I don't agree with or someone I support don't agree with. It's those are things that, and it's not allowed for me to watch and not do anything as well. We need to interfere and make it clear that it's not allowed. And then from there, we can all take our different paths. It's okay and it's normal. I agree with you. Um, our differences shouldn't um, be the highlight of um, us coming together. On the contrary, I think we have enough commonality, uh, but also personal um, interest shouldn't be a part of it. Sure, yeah, sure, definitely. Um, Naula, I'm very happy to have you and um, uh, Pleasure is mine. Thank you so much. Uh, really, uh, I've, I've met you in Bilbao in Spain and I was um, blown away by your story. Um, just your courage and you being here talking about it. Uh, although, you know, the, I don't want you to go through the details. Definitely, of course not. It's something that happened and you're still healing from. Um, I hope we would be a part of this um, healing journey you're on. Uh, things will change uh, eventually because of all of us, because we have a voice and we're using it. Yes, it's not easy, definitely not easy, but uh, we're here to stay. Yeah, it's not. I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to meet you and now to talk to you and to your uh, audience. and. Uh, it was really, really a pleasure and uh, an honor. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is Women of the Middle East podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. For discussion and feedback on today's episode, contact me via Instagram. For any ideas about collaborations, please contact us at wme at amalalmalki.com. At